Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, friends. It's Jess here, and I have got my best friend, my pastor, my buddy, and one of my favorite podcast partners. Hey, Nick, thanks for joining the podcast. Wow, what an intro. It's so good to be here. I feel like something kind of magical happens when you and I sit at this table and put a mic in front of us, and we're actually at our kitchen table. We're not in the Go and Tell Girls office. So if you hear our dog slightly like moving in the background, that's what you hear. But I feel like something kind of sacred has happened a few times in our life when we've hit record and just started talking. And to be clear for everyone listening, you know a little bit where we're going today, but you said you don't want to see the fine-tuned detail notes. I love a good surprise. Okay, let's go. A good podcast surprise, pop podcast, or what would you call that? Mm, like a pop quiz? Like yeah, a pop podcast? Pop, yeah. pop. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, you may or may not have noticed... I mean, Nick, you may or may not have noticed, and dear friend listening, you may or may not have noticed, but this fall, we've actually been posing all of our podcast episodes as questions. So we're trying to think about questions that you are asking, questions that we are also asking, and we're just trying to provide, hopefully, some answers, some perspective, but also just kind of sit with you in the question. So have you noticed that about the podcast, Nicholas? I do know that you've been real big on the questions in the podcast and the PDF. Yes, we have been creating quite a few PDFs as well in Jesus' name. So today's question is, is mission going to ruin my marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Is mission going to ruin my marriage? This may be a question that women don't Google, let's be honest. I don't think they're really like brave enough to Google that. It is the question they're asking. That's a good question, though. It's the question a lot of women are asking before they step into what God has for them. It's the question many, many women, present company included, are asking in the midst of using their God-given gifts. And I think that it will really just serve people to kind of air out what that's looked like for us. Okay. Do you want to give like a quick word on like what's your gut reaction to that yeah. answer? I mean, what's yeah. your gut reaction to that question? Yeah. My answer would be that I believe that mission will make your marriage. I think that it is the process by which marriage gets better. Yeah. And so obviously anytime anything is, is going to get better in your life, it's probably going to get harder at first. Yeah. And anytime God's going to do something fruitful in your life, there is obviously a pruning. Yeah. And anytime God is forming something in our lives, there's obviously a time of storming. And so I think, in my opinion, I think mission makes the marriage. And I actually think mission makes the marriage better. I just think it takes a lot to get there. Something that we've been talking about as a faith community is, is the idea of resistance and persistent resistance. And so what happens in life is I think anytime we encounter resistance, we think we're going in the wrong direction. But actually, resistance is something 
that really honestly helps us see that we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Um, because we know that when you read John 10, 10, there's this, this kind of like war that's happening between abundance and what the enemy has for our life and all that are what he's trying to do in our life. And so when you have all those ingredients, you know that anytime you're trying to enter into abundance, there's going to be some resistance yeah. that comes. And so the same is true with marriage is anytime you're entering into what could be healthy for your marriage, you're obviously going to have resistance. Yeah. Okay. You just use the phrase storming. Yes. And I, I, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. You just pulled up. Yeah. So I pulled up, if you've never heard this, I don't know, the phases of team development is what it's called. We first heard this probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I have no idea where it came from. Um, I, I learned it. I learned at an influence network meeting one day. Do you remember when we had that leadership guy come in oh, and we yeah. all sat on the floor of a hotel? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. He told us about this. Yes, I remember him. Well, there's four stages of team development, and they're forming. So that would be the formation, the beginning of a team. Yep. Then there's storming, where you should actually expect conflict and that the conflict will actually be productive and helpful. And then there's norming, where you kind of regulate and fall into some healthy patterns and rhythms. And then there's performing, where you're excelling. And now, as I'm looking over the podcast notes that I created, I'm realizing maybe I should have called them forming, storming, norming, and performing. But instead, I called them high school, the rough years, <laughs> the building years, and the current years. That <laughs> was high school one. That's well, great. Oh, is that, that's when we formed? Yeah, that's oh, when okay. we formed. <laughs> but I wish I had called them forming, storming, norming, and performing. Instead, I called them high school, the rough years, the building years and the current years. Yeah. I think, first of all, to have this phrasing be business, I think is just not correct. I think it's actually what the description of marriage is. It is. Lots of storming. You're right. You're right. It's a, it's a great path for marriage, Yeah, for team development. I mean, if you want to be a good and, team, yeah. yeah, you should expect that to some degree. Okay. So, you know, if you want to know where we're coming from, let's do a little story. And I feel like, again, this is a part of the magic that's happened when you and I hit record on a mic is okay. that we, we tell a little story. But I want, to, I want to normalize for people that they're not the only ones struggling. So let me say this off the bat. I actually think the number one thing that you and I have argued about in our life is mission. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I to, think so. Oh, to I think some so. degree. Yeah, I think so. I think there's two things in our marriage, but I also think it's the two things in everyone's marriage is – how do you go from, and to use our youth pastor who married mm-hmm. us terms, how do you go from me to we? Yeah. And so anytime you're, you're entering in from, into a marriage, it's, you're leaving who you are as yeah. an individual behind yeah. and you're forming a new identity with this person. It doesn't mean that you lose all of yourself. It just right. means that there's, there's something greater that's to be had yeah. in this process. And so you move from me, selfish me into a holistic we. Yeah. And then the other piece would be mission. Yeah. And, but honestly, it's it's whatever you care about. It's like if 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 you're married to someone and you both have high opinions, mm-hmm. I'll call them opinions <laughs> of of how you should raise a kid. Yeah, you're gonna storm over that. If you yeah. have high opinions about this, finances, yeah, finances, or, yeah. you're gonna storm over that. And yeah. so I think we all have high opinions of something. Yeah, in our life, and it's for us, it just happens to be mission. Yeah, but then. 
considering the whole picture, is anytime you're entering into something worthwhile for the kingdom, there's going to be resistance. That's good. That's good. But that is interesting to look at us. Like I would say in this current season, which I would be curious where you would put us <laughs> okay. on the forming, storming, norming, performing. I would yeah. say we're at the line between norming and performing. I Yeah, I was thinking that norming. Yeah. I, I don't know what normal looks like, but yeah. I feel like we're we're entering into that, but also life changes so quickly yeah. that it's like, do you ever norm? But I yeah. know you do. It's you just, do. Yeah. you just get new normals. But I feel like you and I experience like kind of like surges of performing where it's like, oh, we were meant to do this. Like we'll have a, like literally a day where I'm like, this is good. This is really working. Do you yeah. feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Glimpses. Glimpses. Yeah. We feel glimpses of the performing, but it's still a lot of norming, but it's less, it's definitely less tense, but a little less storming. But it is interesting to note, we do not fight about kids. We do no. not fight about money. No. We do not fight about extended family. No. I think those are big stressors for everybody else. Yeah. And we fight about, when we fight, it tends to be about how one should handle a certain situation within the context of kingdom and Kingdom church. and mission, yeah. And I would say the fight has changed. The tension has changed for the last few years. And it, it used to be kind of more like conceptual. What do we believe about this? Like, really that. What do we believe about mm-hmm. mission and each other's mission? And I would say now, when we fight, it's kind of almost more like protective time and energy. Like, we just both feel really protective of each other's time and energy. Yes. Would you agree? Yeah, and just how to handle certain situations. How to handle it, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's go back. Forming, what is interesting about our story, we met in high school, and I would say I was, when I met you, I was two months into a radical experience with Jesus. I loved God and I wanted to change the world, but I did not know how. And I would say you also were a person at the ripe age of 17. You had a sense of destiny about you. Even one that looking back now, you and I would both say you had no right to have, like there's no reason you should have had it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you knew you were going to change the world, and there was no one who was telling you that. It was just like a real call of God on your life. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I felt like I was stuck in one little city and like wanted to like yeah. be out in the world at like yeah. 17. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And I loved that about you. Like, I was <laughs> definitely drawn to you. And if I could, like, go back, and I would do tell, like, our kids this, my daughter, I'll tell her things like this. All of our kids, really, even our boys, because, you know, as they're trying to attract young suitors, <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I knew you cared about things. I knew you loved God, and I knew you cared about things. Yeah, I had high conviction. Yeah, I didn't have time for a high school boy who was nonchalant. I loved that you were not chill. I gave no chalants. You gave no (laughs) chalants. That's really funny. So I would say that served us really early on. We were dating about a year and a half when we both went on staff at a church for the first time together. Yep. Yeah. And so a lot of our early relationship, our engagement was like doing heavy ministry work. Heavy, heavy ministry work. We shouldn't have been. We should not have been doing what we were doing. No one. Yeah, we had keys to cars. We shouldn't have been driving. Uh, In Jesus' name. We were both teaching the Bible at like 18, 19. Leading worship. Leading worship. We were given platforms in a very large local church. Yeah. Like really early on, but that seemed normal to us. 
I think because of the church I grew up in, yeah. it was it yeah. was it was normal. Yeah. But if you are imagining like a frivolous, playful Jess and Nick from college, we are way more playful now. We did not know how to play. Oh yeah. I had and also just with my situation in college, I yeah. just didn't have time to play. Yeah, you didn't Which I regret. I was like, I wish I would have played a little bit more. Yeah. Both of us graduated early. We were in a hurry. We were in yes. a hurry to get done with school. We were in a hurry to get married. We were in a hurry to plant a church. We actually moved to help plant a church about seven days after we got married. Oh yeah. I mean, man, I'm tired talking about it. I know. So we like work, 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 do ministry stuff. We both had full time jobs during college. We both finished college early somehow. We get married. Seven days later, we moved back to our hometown to help plan a church with 30 people that we did not know. Mm-hmm. We spent a year and a half there. I think it was longer than that. No, it wasn't because we were eight months. We had been married for eight months when we got pregnant with Elias, and we moved. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you're right. It was yeah. it was like two and a half years then, yeah. maybe almost three. Yeah, we got married you're in right. 05. You are right. I left— for Seattle right. in a car in 2007 and got to Seattle in 2008. 2008. Yeah. So we were there I, I two just, and a half years. It was, it was December and yeah. end of December and I <laughs> arrived in January. And it was a long trip. So we got married, got pregnant eight months later. You can imagine we weren't really chill about getting pregnant or having a baby. Like we were going to read all the books. We were going to do all the things. And then also we had this really strong sense that we were very good at parenting. And mm-hmm. so we got pregnant again. Four months later. <laughs> so when our oldest was four months old, we got pregnant again with our daughter, Glory. All this time, we're church planting. You're kind of moving helping from like— churches, yeah. Helping, you're moving from worship to youth ministry to like student ministry. I actually, during this time, had dropped out of church work. I was out of it. I was done. I wanted to just work in anthropology and be out for a minute, but that's my own story. Yeah. I was pretty defeated, but we were in it. And then as if it wasn't— I was defeated, but I was still in it. You were still in it. Yeah. As if that wasn't enough, when we had a one-year-old, really not even, like a 10-month-old— It was 1.5 kids. Yeah. We had about a 10-month-old baby, and then I was about eight months pregnant with our second, maybe seven months. I don't know. We decided to take a call to move from North Carolina to Washington to run a maternity home. Mm-hmm. where we would have up to six pregnant teens living with us at a time, and we would help them through their pregnancies, and we would help counsel them through either placing their babies for open adoption or raising them on their own. And if that sounds intense, it was 100 million times more intense than it sounds. Oh, yeah. It was the most spiritual warfare I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was such intense ministry in our home that we could not get away from. Yes. We were we lived massively underqualified. Yeah, they lived in our home. I mean, we had gals who had experienced horrible traumatic things. We had boyfriends showing up with drug problems on our doorstep, all kinds of crazy things. Oh, yeah. So I don't even know that we had time to storm during any of this. We were yeah. holding on for dear life. Yeah. Like, also, I don't remember fighting during any of this. Probably too tired. We were too tired and too broke. Like, we just needed each other to live and to get through the day. Yeah. We had our daughter, Gloria, out there. We ended up getting pregnant again very quickly with our son, Benjamin, while we were at the maternity home, having Benjamin there. And then we moved from there into another really intense season where we struggled with, like, poverty, low-key church abuse, 
I'm actually going to be talking about that on next week's podcast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're going there. We're going to go there. And a ton of really other intense issues. And I will say we still weren't storming. Well, so you glanced over an interesting moment of okay. disagreement, which is also the irony of this podcast is, do you remember when you didn't speak to me for a week? I Okay. That is an important moment. But why? Why? What did I tell you? That you wanted to plant a church. Which would probably qualify as, as you know, mission. Yeah. <laughs> well, mission ruined my marriage. Yeah. We were snowed in. That we was were, great. We were, it was a freak snowstorm in Seattle. They don't get snow. It's cold. It's not like they that. They get rain, but they don't get snow. And it was the first day of a freak snowstorm. Oh, yeah. And you came home. I had a lot of free time to think. So yeah. the juices were flowing. Yeah. You came home from a long trip home from seminary on the first day, and you said— God's called me to plant a church. And I was so mad. A little bit. And people have asked me now. I used to make a joke out of that a lot, and I try not to joke about it anymore because that was really bad wifery. <laughs> like that was not that was not funny. That was really disobedient and unkind of me. And I really did not speak to you for five days. I would send him emails because we didn't have texts like that back then. It was T9. T9. You had to really mean it if you wanted to text. Yeah. But I would send you emails and say, like, dinner's ready. Yeah. But I didn't want to plan a church because I knew that that would mean an unsteady salary. Or I thought that that would mean an unsteady salary. Yeah. And it also sounded exhausting. Some of these things are very true that you've shared. Yeah. I wanted <laughs> to live a tidier life. Yeah. I wanted you to have benefits. I wanted you to have like a boss and people who worked underneath you. Yep. I wanted, I mean, I'm not saying I was wrong now that we're saying all this out loud. <laughs> so all the very <laughs> real pain points of our life. Everything you said is very true, <laughs> but also is still not the reality. They can be true statements, it's but true. also it's not the story that God has for you. It's true. And I, I will skip to the chase now and say, now when people ask me, am I glad that we planted Bright City? I will say, this is the true story. I feel bad for everybody who doesn't get to do what we do. Yeah. Our life is so exhausting mm -hmm. and so beautiful. Yes. I'm going to cry. <laughs> but we're on the front lines oh, yeah. of seeing redemption and healing. I mean, we're on the front lines of seeing brokenness oh, and yeah. pain, but we're yeah. on the front lines of seeing life change. It's both. It's both. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to live a meaningful life, you're going to see tragic things. Yeah. I think sometimes people can't reconcile that. I think, I think that's like comfort means that you will most likely experience the mundane. Yeah. And then... But when you're on the, the front lines and you're in the midst of it, you'll see tragedy, but you'll also experience some of the greatest yeah. miracles you'll ever see. Yeah. So maybe all of that was the forming. Maybe that church planning fight was the first of the storming. Yeah. But all of the before that was the forming. The storming, let's gloss over this real quick, but let's be yes. honest. We had some very, very, very horrible years. Yes, but it's back to that same thing of like a high conviction. And, yes. and and looking at it, we've talked about this is when we're looking at it on this side of of everything is it's what's beautiful is that when you are in any type of relationship in your life, the struggle is always going to be to lean on that person yeah. and lean into that thing more than God. 
Yeah. And so you're going to end up loving. That's wow. That's yeah, good. you're going to end up loving that person more than God. You're going to end up wanting yeah. that thing more than God. And we've all been there in our relationships, whether that be a friendship or an actual dating relationship that you want. Like that's always the struggle is is for it to creep up as an idol. Yeah. But what was hilarious about our relationship, and I've shared this with you, is that it was even in the moment they were very discouraging discussions. What was encouraging is that we really valued kingdom <laughs> and church and what God was up to yeah. more so than our marriage. Yeah. So like at the end of the day, it wasn't that we wanted to be right is that we wanted to please God. Yeah. And we felt like this was the we most did. pleasing towards God. It's true. But also you're an eight and I'm a one. And so there's like a high conviction of personal yeah. conviction, I guess. Yeah. I, I, this, this yeah. Using it twice, but that's, it, that's, it's, it's what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's like you are convinced that you are convicted in this way. Yeah. And, and that, and what we've learned is that God is speaking in both of those situations. Agreed. So how do we find the compromise in that? Okay, can we do this? Can yes. I take like 90 seconds and yes. tell you what the storming felt like for me? Uh-huh. And you do the same. Okay. Like what felt difficult about it? Okay, yeah. And this is like free talk, just so you guys know, we're very healed, right? I hope so, but let's do this. Let's. We'll find out now. <laughs> <laughs> Back to storming. No, I'm just kidding. I feel like the storming was hard for me because we had had very, we had received a lot of what I would call um, like misogynistic backwards Bible teaching about women. Yes. That felt directly to me in opposition to like who I felt like God made me to be. Mm -hmm. That was number one. Mm -hmm. And you and I were figuring that out. We were figuring oh, out yeah. what we thought about that teaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's hilarious is I would say, I'm sorry, I didn't no, you're interrupt good. Your, your 90 seconds. But what's hilarious is I think what's funny about us is that, I don't know what this says, but I felt like we were more we were struggling more so what that meant in gifting and kingdom rather than like actual roles within the house. Agreed. We, so we were I, not asking, we were not <laughs> asking the question, should Jess Connolly teach? We were fighting over, should women teach at all? But also even more so like, what are the roles within the house? And it yes. was like, no, I don't want to talk about that. I don't yes. care about that. Right. Let's talk about what it means. We have actually never fought one time in our entire marriage about who does the dishes. Or yeah, anything never, like that. Yeah. Never. Yeah. You weren't like, I just wish you'd do the dishes more. It yeah. was like, should women only do the dishes? You know, it was like the big existential picture yeah. of that. Yes, that's definitely true for us. So we were processing that. I think what was also a lot of the storming is that we were figuring out that we really needed to do church together. I think that was maybe a surprise to both of us for a while. And then we had to figure out, I feel like you caught on to it first. Yeah. That like, oh, this would actually be better. Because when we planted Bright City, I would have said my husband plants at a church. Oh, yeah. I'm a pastor's wife and I'll volunteer. That's it. This is his yes. deal. This is his job. But then a few years into it, I think you caught on to first. We need to do this together. Oh, I said we either do this together or you're going to resent me. Yeah. And so I had to figure out that that was right. And Same. not like I had to figure out that that's what the yeah. good gift God had for me was and, leading the church with you. And let me correct this just for people listening. It wasn't that you needed to like hold it with me, preach with me, like hold 50% no, together. No. It just meant that we needed to both be all in yeah. or not. So sorry or not, that, yes, you know, yeah. someone's listening and they're like, well, I don't 
Phil called the lead yes, this way. You don't him. have to. Yes, that's if that's not, not what's right for you. It's like yeah. our personalities. And it was what our church needed and like everything. Oh, yeah. It was just yeah. what we needed. And that was a real shift for me. I went for years praying for like a partner t- for you. Mm-hmm. And then God was like, you're the partner. You've already been given the partner. Yeah. So that was interesting to figure out. And then we had to figure out how to lead together because you're an Enneagram 1. I'm an Enneagram 8. Yep. I'm very passionate. You're very righteous. Yeah. And I don't mean self-righteous. He just does all the right things. No. You are. You are. I am righteous, but like by grace through faith. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Not me. You you need Jesus too. But we just do things in a really different way and that it's for God's good. But we did have a lot of arguments in front of church staff. We had yes. a lot of arguments in front of small business heated staff. Heated discussion. Super heated discussions. Vigorous discussion. And then I would say the last part of the storming that I just want to be very genuine with people about is that my job as it stands now is very exhausting. Traveling to teach is exhausting. Oh, yeah. I travel 90% more than you do, wouldn't you say? Not recently. I'm on the up and up. I know. Well, right <laughs> now we're kidding. at 50-50 because I took the fall off traveling and you went on one trip. But— I went on a lot of trips. You did? I lived out of a backpack from like you June did. to it's October. True. It's true. I meant like in this last month. But I know what you're talking about. I don't actually don't like traveling and you do. I love traveling. So that's a real imbalance in our marriage. Yes. But like you have a lot more to hold at home. Locally, yes. For when I'm gone. I wrote nine books in six years, which is exhausting and required a lot of all of us. Mm-hmm. And that has taken a lot of storming and a lot of figuring out, like, how does our family work with these kind of interesting— everybody has them. If you're a night nurse, you get this. Every job and every role has these, like, interesting peculiarities. But I think both of us—it wasn't just you. It wasn't like you were like, I always pictured a stay-at-home wife. Mm-hmm. I pictured myself. I pictured myself as this incredible support person. And so I exhausted myself for years yeah. trying to be a support person. I would probably share this on the podcast before, but th- things like I would, like, volunteer to babysit people's kids on the week of a book launch because I wanted to be so present and available yes. and be everybody's everything— and also do my job. Yes. And that was not doable. So no. that, I would say those were the three big categories of storming. Figuring out what we believed about women in ministry mm-hmm. in general, learning how to lead together, mm-hmm. and the peculiarities of my job. Yes. Yeah. What would you say? That was more yeah. than 90 seconds. So I would go back to that women in ministry pieces. I think, and this is the key with like anything in life, is I think a lot of times we start something out of like, well, I don't want that, rather than standing for what we want. We just know what we don't want. Yeah. And so I think for us, we had both experienced like a highly dysfunctional culture when it came to women You're and right. women in ministry. Yeah. So it was like we wanted differently, but we didn't know what we wanted. Yeah. And so the wrestle for me became randomly. It was... I think we've talked about this and you're like, no, 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 you, you didn't believe it. You didn't believe it. I think the chaos was was that I was believing it. And so how was this manifested? So like, how, how do you know something in your gut, but they're the, like interesting parts of scripture that you have to wrestle with and figure yeah. out what that means and what's God really saying? How does this really work out? And so since then, having wrestled with all those things, it's like, oh, I, I know what it says. I know how Jesus lived. I know how he did ministry. I know how he valued women. I know how he did this. I know how he did that. Yeah. And there's far more black and white than gray than it used to be. Yeah. And so for me, it was wrestling through all that. But then the big thing for me that I think is so crucial 
for the church as a whole, and so sorry, this is a little bit of a soapbox, is I think people are comfortable with only certain women leading, and I wanted to be comfortable with all women in the kingdom leading. That was big for and you, so yeah. And so I think it wasn't like I needed to get comfortable with it. It was like I didn't want people to think it was just Jess Connolly. Yeah preaching and using her gifts because she was quote unquote the first lady or yeah. because we were married. Yeah. It was because she was a woman of God and that God had gifted her with specific gifts yeah. and she could do these things within our church as well as any other woman who God had gifted, raised up and wanted her to do those things within our church. Yeah. And so I needed other people to see other women leading yeah. as well as you. Yeah. But as you know, with any church plan, it it's time. like, it's the mom and pop show. Yeah. And so it's like, you're trying to wait for all these people to catch up. And even when it comes to like the lead pastor, not being the only one leading all the time, is this like, you're waiting for spiritual momentum to take root and you're waiting for people to rise up and lead. And so we really had to wrestle with the timing of it, not just the conviction of it. Yeah. And so there was the timing of it. And so once that happened, then it was like, okay, so now we're doing this. How do we do this? And so then there was that wrestle together. Yeah. And then, you know, even recently, I think you've shared this and I know you sent out the email. It's like, I yeah. quote unquote fired you. Yeah. Again, it's like, it wasn't that we were storming. It was that life was storming. And so yeah. how do we figure out how to readjust, figure out how to form again, form again and then restorm and then yeah. norm and then perform again. And so we're, yeah. we're walking through that right now yeah. and it's been, it's been really great and we're trying to figure yeah. out like, how does that work? And so for me, that was the journey. And then I think the other piece is then the internal family perspective is, is, is yeah. how does this work for our family? Yeah, Because I think so many people have such I don't know if aggressive is the word, but like very, very strong convictions about how certain things should work all the time for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't see that within scripture and I Agreed. don't see that within the body is I think there's just a beautiful mosaic of people and we're all learning from each other yeah. and where I am weak, someone else is strong. And so then you just have to figure out, okay, how does this manifest itself within the family, within our context, within our community, within all these things. And so for me, that was the journey. Hey, real quick, if you're listening to this episode and realizing that you could really use a coach to help you take steps forward, specifically in writing, small business, ministry, or podcasting, we need to make sure that you know about GoTeams. GoTeams are our group coaching cohorts that combine six weeks of online coaching with both community and industry experts to get you making moves in your God-given mission. If you're ready to make a move and get the coaching that you need, head to the link in the show notes to sign up for our spring 2023 Go Teams waitlist and be the very first to hear more and save your spot. Plus, you can snag a discount on your registration when the time comes. Now, back to the episode. Make sure you get on that waitlist. Yeah. So our current season of norming. Yes. You lead Bright City Church. I do. I'm your wife. You are. I am not on staff at Bright City. No. Anymore. No. As of about five months ago. Yes. The kindest thing, really, I say it and I don't mean it in hyperbole. The kindest thing <laughs> you ever did for me was I came home from work one day in May and you- You were zapped. I was done. And you were writing an email to the staff saying immediately, Jess is off staff. At the time, I had been probably on volunteer staff, really trying to do what was probably a full-time role. Oh, yeah. Which is like any ministry, especially a church yeah. our size. Like yeah. Even myself. Yeah. It's like Even I'm if you say it's going to be 10 hours, it's going to yeah. be 40 hours. 
And I was trying to do it on top of leading Go and Tell Gals. Yes. There had been a season where it had worked really beautifully and it was not working anymore. No. And you released me from staff and I've still gotten to lead as your wife. Oh, yeah. And I've said this in a, I think I've said this in a past podcast. If I haven't, it's worth noting. I don't know. I think I did tell you the story. I was on the roof the other night with a couple of girls from church and some of them didn't know that I... I wasn't on staff anymore. Have mm-hmm. I told you this story? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. And our friend Lila was like, listen, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know you weren't on staff anymore. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, that's encouraging. And she yeah. said, if I could be honest, you seem a lot more present. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I would say, I think that's true for me. But also your personality, I knew that it wasn't a ease back. Like, let's take six months, yes. replace yourself. Yeah. Like, know that. Like you, because you hold so much from even if you're not physically holding something, you emotionally and and spiritually hold something. Yeah. And so the only course of action was like, hey, you've got to let go. Right. And then also for our people, because I, I and this is true for any, unfortunately, I think women in general and women in ministry, I feel like for whatever reason, women are the front line of all things, both yeah. like celebration and yeah. dramatic and tragic (laughs) in life. And so like if, if for example, if someone has something amazing in life go on, they're going to tell you before they tell me. If someone has something hard going on in life, they're going to tell you before they tell me. And and so like that dichotomy happens also within the church, especially when it comes to like women in ministry, especially for the pastor's wife. It's like, I don't know if the pastor knows, but I just, the music's a little loud. So yeah, yeah, I mean, you just, you are the front line and the front door for whatever reason for the pastor. And so, you know, for anyone listening, I'm sure you've experienced this. And so for me, I knew that the only way forward was for you not to be the front door or to like, Hey, I know that you're stepping out of this. Right. But but, yeah. And so I was like, you're not to talk to her. (laughs) You're not not to ask her about any ministry things. If you have a question that you need to ask her, you're going to ask her. And then she's going to say, Hey, you need to go talk to Nick about that Yeah, because I've instructed her to do that. And it was like, we just got, have to like free you up. And so it was a good, good releasing. It really was. But norming wise now, so when we talk about what our individual missions are, you are called to lead Bright City Church. Yes. Let me see if I can name your God-given mission. This is going to be really helpful because I'm hitting 40 and I feel like I have more clarity, less clarity. Let me tell you about your life. Let me coach you. (laughs) I feel number one, your number one mission is to be a son of God. Yes. That's your number one calling. Struggling with that lately. I'm feeling that. Yeah. 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 Carry on. That's another podcast. You feel really called to parent our kids in a very present way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably too present. Maybe. I'm not a helicopter. I just am like. No, you're not a helicopter. I want to impart encouragement and vision and strategy at all moments, at all times. And yeah. as teenagers, they don't want that. <laughs> they want to do it wrong and then circle back. Yeah, circle back. <laughs> you definitely feel called to be my husband. I feel like you've always been very good at separating like our romantic relationship and mission. Yes. You feel called to lead Bright City Church. I do. To lead Bright City, to plant multiple Bright Cities. Absolutely. You feel called to write, and you are finishing your first manuscript right now. I am. I am so excited. Very excited. You also feel called to small business in our city. I do. And you have bought a commercial property. We we have bought yes. a commercial property together, but you have taken definitely the brunt of that work. Well, by the brunt, I'm just nothing is 
happening. <laughs> You're having a lot of meetings, <laughs> but you feel called to do that, to be a yeah. light in our city and to help financially provide for our kids and our future because you never want people to feel like we're not grateful. We're so grateful. Well, But also is, is you can't compel people to keep up with your yes. demands of life. Yes. And so it's like, man, I want to be able to minister to people out of the overflow rather yes. than like, all right. Can you give more? Because our kids yeah, are yeah. going to college. We need so, braces. Yes. Our kids actually <laughs> really do need braces. So yeah. we don't want our local church to feel the demands of that. We want to be able to minister out of oh, the yeah. abundance. And of, yeah. growth is going to happen at 100% the pace of, of the what's good for them and yeah. for God. Amen. So would you say there's anything outside of that that you feel called to as your God-given mission? I think always when you're approaching this point in your life is we got some construction. We do have some construction going next door. I think we have to keep going and we just want to apologize. There is construction happening next door, but this is real life. There might be some amazing Hispanic music coming out. They play the best music. It's the best music. They have the best time. I want to go work. They They have the best time working. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. In my forties, I think there's always the natural, like, okay, how, do I continue to walk out the calling that God has for me specifically also while imparting in the next generation all while also really, you know, one of the things that we've talked about often is like how as, and I want to be careful that I said this because people have like definitely poured it into us. Mm -hmm. But like, I think one of the things that we've, desired is just like someone ahead yeah. looking back yeah. so that we can look ahead and look back. Yeah. And so anyway, how do you do that with not really that being your normative experience? Yeah. And so I've just been thinking a lot about that lately. That's I don't know good. what that means, but that's good. Just been how do I look forward and look back? Yeah. It's good. Mission wise. Yes. I feel called to be a daughter of God. Yes. I feel called to be your wife. Yes. I feel called to mother our kids. Okay. I want to see them walk in abundance in whatever that means for them, whatever God has for them. Okay. I want to see the renewal of the American church. You do? Through Bright City. Wow. I want to see the local church be healthy and vibrant mm-hmm. again. And so I want to put my time and energy to that. And yep. in this season— for the unforeseeable future, I feel called to lead Go and Tell Gals yes. by coaching, writing books, utilizing social media, whatever avenue God will give us to equip and encourage women in their God-given callings. Yes. So those are our missions, and we are norming around those. Trying to. I want to highlight those because a question I know people are going to ask is, mm-hmm. what do I do if we have different missions? Can you speak into that a little bit? Because that is the number one question we get from women saying like, what do I do if my husband feels called to something different than I do? Or what do I do? Let's start there. What do we do if we have different God-given missions? That's an interesting one for me because I think what's interesting is I think the manifestation could be different, but I don't think the mission's different. I think it's very simple. You love God with all your heart and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so there's a love God, love people element in everything that we do. And so the manifestation of that could be different. So you do it in certain ways and then I do it in certain ways. Yeah. But I also think that if you're running in the way of the kingdom, 
there's bound to be overlap. There is. Like, I just, I don't think everything in life is like siloed and, and I agree. sequestered off. Like, I, I think there's always overlap, even yeah. if it's like when you step back and you're like, oh, so and so is working third shift and doing this, and I'm staying at home and I stay up at this time. Like, you've got to find the overlap. There is overlap. You I just got to look right. for it. It's like sometimes when we're trying to find gratitude in our life, like things to be grateful for, it's like, it's there. It's just sometimes you got to look a little harder. Yeah. And so there will be seasons where you're looking a little harder, but there will also be seasons where it's like in your lap and you're like, oh, here it is. Yeah. And so I think for people, the manifestation might be a little different, but I think the mission is the same. Yep. I want to say lovingly for anyone who's struggling with this, I do think we overthink it a little bit. Yes. I think it's in the same line of like, how do I explain to my friends or how do I make my friends care about my God-given mission? Yeah. And the point is like, if you were, if your full-time job was to work in an office and like be the world's best admin and your husband was a bricklayer, you would have to connect over what your days looked like and what mattered and what were difficult about them. And you would learn to do that in the same way that if my friend is a nanny and I am writing books, my job is not more important than hers. My calling is not more important than hers. I have to ask questions about her job and she'll ask questions about mine. And And I want to value her work the same way she values mine. But I think sometimes we sequester off like different parts of mission and believe they just should be valued more um, and discussed more. But like at our dinner table, like our kids talking about, you know, how their test went is as important as a meeting with your publisher. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's all the same. Or it wouldn't even, my meeting wouldn't even come up. (laughs) You you wouldn't bring it up. I would. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do think that's one. Okay. Let's do the, the kind of underbelly of this question is what if my husband or my spouse or my wife, that's our story at one point, but it's our story both sides, yes. doesn't agree with yes. or understand what yes. I feel called to? That's a good question. I want to hear your answer first. I think what's interesting is on one hand, when you've entered into a partnership or relationship with someone, there actually does need to be like some sort of general consensus that we're moving forward, even if we don't understand and even if we don't see the whole picture. That's really, and, really, really and good. And so, I, I, like with the church, I'm not going to like jump out and plant a church and you're like still not talking to me. Right. Like we've got to find the way forward. Yeah. And but then, we had to find the way forward. Yes. You didn't, you didn't fully back down. There was not a moment in that time where you told me I want to plant a church that you were like, well, then I won't do it. Yeah, we waited. I said, then I'll yeah. wait. And then yeah. we had another and, season where there was like mental health. Years. And yeah. it was like, all right, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not worth, this is worth more. I'll wait. Yeah. And so I think part of it too is you've got to realize that the mission that you have is not going to come out of a microwave. Like it's going to take the slow cook. That's good. It's not an Instapot, as I tell the church. It yeah. is the slow cooker. And so even though we've tried to Instapot things because yeah. we're tired of the microwave and so now we're moving on to something else, yeah. like God's still a slow cooking God. And so you've got to wait it out if it's worth doing it, then it's worth waiting. So you got to wait it out. And then I think from there, because then the part is, how do you move forward if you're in it? And the one thing I would say is, and I I feel like Bob Goff always does a great job of saying this is like, his job is not to build consensus, it's to build the kingdom. Yeah. And so in the context of marriage, I want to be careful in how I say that. Like, I think there is obviously a partnership, there is a way forward. 
But I think if what's important to you is their understanding and their understanding is more important than the mission, then you're going to miss the mission. Yeah. I would say you mentioned friends. Like, how do I get my friend to understand and buy into what I'm doing? Well, that's not the point. The point is for you to do what God's called you to do. Yeah. And if you gain a friend in the process, then you gain a friend. Yeah. But you can't spend your mission energy and your mission motivation trying to build consensus with everyone around you. Yeah. You will not have energy to build the kingdom. And so I think at a certain point, you have to proceed and press on knowing that God is going to continue to unite your hearts in what we're doing. I mean, even with like influence, like when you watched influence, we were in the middle of Indiana. I knew we weren't going to be there for long. Yeah. But I, I sensed this is what God wanted to do. Yeah. I didn't have any place in it. I didn't know how I fit in. I was the like sound, like display, yeah. visual, like meal runner, like yeah. speaker micer, like yeah. I, I mic up speakers. And even in that, like I didn't understand it. I didn't see the outcome. I knew we weren't going to be in Indiana for our whole time. Yeah. And this whole event was like centered around our life in Indiana. Yeah. But I was like, okay, this is a step. It doesn't mean it's the forever step, but it's a step. And yeah. so I think you just, you have to have those moments, especially in the context of mission where you're like, okay, how do we find a way forward together? Yeah. We might not understand. We might not see it all. We might yeah. Not, but I think at a certain point, that's what surrender and laying down your life means is that you're like, I love this person enough that I'm willing to lay down my life and lay down what I think yeah. for the sake of what's ahead. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that is, I mean, I know it, it happens mutually, but a lot of times in life, I think it happens like a tennis match where like I volley to you and then you volley to me and then I volley mm-hmm. to you and you volley to me. I just feel like sometimes surrender happens in those ways. Yeah. And so even though it might feel scary that you That's have to go picture. first or you're yeah. the one going right now, I think it gets volleyed back. You're right. Surrender does get volleyed back. I think you and I have lived different sides of this answer in that you have lived a spouse who was absolutely like unwilling to do what you felt called to do. And I think the way you handled that was like humility and patience and vision. I want to say that yeah. because do you remember what happened after I finally did speak to you? You were like, well, what would it look like? No, you said, you came to me and you were like, I know you're very mad at me. Oh yeah. You said, can I just tell you what the church is going to be called? Yeah. Started with a baby step. And I thought that it was going to be a very stupid Greek name. And I was like, I, we, we had a lot of people. If you have a, uh, Greek named church out there. We're not we judging you. you. I'm just saying we had a lot of friends planting churches at that time that all meant like some I obscure word. Their names. We didn't know how to say the names of their churches. And I was like, if you're coming at me with like Kaleo. Oh God. I Is that a real name of a church? I'm sure it is. I'm sorry. I love that church for you guys, <laughs> but I knew a lot of people planting that church and I knew that that was not true to you. It was just not what. That was yeah, not who okay. we are. What does Kaleo mean? I don't know, but I, I, I'm <laughs> sure it's out there. It is. Koine, I'm sorry. Koine, Koine, Koinonia. 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 It's out there. Agape is out there. Kairos is out there. Yeah. We love you guys. We love you. God bless you. Your church is amazing. Your name is fine. You're fine. Yes. But I'm telling Keep you, going. I thought that Nick was going to come to me with that. And I knew that that would not be true to him because obviously we to don't us. even know what to us because yes. we don't even know what those words are. And we yes. love the Greek and the Hebrew. Yes. Um, but you said, can I just tell you the name of the church? And I said, okay. And you told me and I was like, well, I want to go to that church. Yes. And so pitch vision, be patient, be humble, be willing to shift the plan. 
to love your spouse well and pitch vision. Tell them why it matters. And that's the next thing you do. You said, like, let me tell you what I want this church to look like. Mm -hmm. And I I said, I want to go to that church. Let's do it. It took six years. Oh, yeah. And it took me working through a lot of bitterness still about the call. I don't have the bitterness anymore, but I did for even while we were in it for a while. Oh, yeah. From my side... I explained this to someone the other day, and I want to like just present how this felt for me from my side. And it may not have been at all what you were intending at all to present. Mm-hmm. But from my side, when I began to step into book writing, starting the Influence Network and Conference, like small business, speaking, I felt permission from you. Mm-hmm. I never felt like you were going to tell me not to do something. I didn't feel blessing for a long time. Yes. And I think I totally understand why now for a lot of reasons. There wasn't like, I think you had some fear again about how it was going to go. Things that we had seen happen in other like women's ministries in the yeah. past. Um, and men's ministry. And men's. Yeah. And I think you, I think you just had some like good concerns. I'm always slow. Yes. You're also a high C on the like disc. Yeah, Is that I'm right? Cautious, Enneagram one. Slow. Yeah. So I was telling a woman this the other day because I said what God did for me in that. Like I remember Nick was referencing the Influence Conference, which was an event I started. You were running the sound. You were getting food. You were like praying for us. You were being so kind. You were being so servant hearted. You never told me not to do it. But I've told you this story before. I think that like we were on stage the first night and I was sitting with my friend who ran the conference with me and her husband looked at her and said like, I'm so proud of you. And I looked at you and you like waved at me, like (laughs) probably pretty tired, like, hi. You know, like it wasn't a season where you were like, you've got this, babe. And to be fair, I was not saying that to you. Yeah. for a long time yeah. about church planting. Yeah. I was not speaking life over you. I yeah. hope now you feel yeah. very spoken. And now I feel the most commissioned by you. Yes. I got an opportunity presented to me last week that was really going to cost our family time. It was going to change a bunch of stuff. I was worried you wouldn't want me to do it. And you were like, are you kidding me? Get out of here. Go say yes to this thing God has for you. Yes. So the present is I don't feel that anymore. But But also that was in the season of like high storming. We're we're fighting a ton. Yeah, (laughs) but I'm in life too. Yeah, yeah. We're having kids. We're stressed. There's tension around us. The church we were in, like you were doing really heavy ministry work. Yeah. So all that being said, I did tell someone, I said, what God did for me in the season where I had your permission, but not your blessing Mm -hmm. is he taught me to work without it. Yeah. And you got to learn to work without human blessing sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like your mom, your husband, your spouse, your best friend may not come alongside you and say, you're the girl for the job. You've got to do this. It's that what I was saying is the consensus. Maybe, yeah. Maybe yeah. the other word is is approval. Or like, like commissioning. If yeah. If you're waiting for others approval, yeah. then you were never you in never that start. season going to come to me and say like, have you ever thought about writing a book? Yeah. <laughs> like when I came to you, I was like, hey, I know my alarm is already crazy, but I think I might want to write a book. Yeah. You were like, okay. But also too, I mean, it was like, because our personalities, which has been so helpful for the future, yeah. but, I, but I always joke is you're ready, fire, aim. Yes. And I'm ready, aim, 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 fire. Aim, fire. I, and so <laughs> I, I think in that season, we had just launched Naptime Diaries. Yes. And so I'm like, why are we launching five other things? Yes. I launched. <laughs> I was building Naptime Diaries, our small yeah. business, the Influence Network, and She Reads Truth. And Influence and She Reads Truth launched within a two-month span of oh, time. Oh, yeah. It was, like, great. It, but was, it was crazy. Like, and, and, and I was pregnant. Yes. And 
you know, now I think the big and which is good in marriage and mission is you find your pace. And, yes. and now we, yeah. you know, like, we do. Yeah. It's yeah. just because you feel something should happen doesn't mean it should happen right now. And yeah. just because you have a sense of a specific mission that you're supposed to do doesn't mean it's going to happen right now. Even if you got the blessing from your other spouse fully and 100 and you got the permission and everything, sometimes like God has a way of like rolling it out almost like you're you're like it's child rearing. Like yeah. you, you, there's like a preparation and, a, and yeah. like a time in the womb that That's has to good. happen. And so. Even if you have all those things, it's always going to pace is so important. Let's end with some practical tips okay. on helping people okay. love their marriage and love their mission. Yeah. Here's something I would say is I think that when it comes to marriage and when it comes to mission is looking back on our marriage is I think you can find mission that exists in the context of building your marriage. And so what I mean by that is rather than us like rushing through college and then jumping mm-hmm. into a church plant and then like running in all these ways and then moving here, moving there and all that, like there is a simplicity to mission that involves you like becoming married working a job and loving your neighbor, that mm-hmm. is really beautiful. Yeah. And so I think in those early years, like I just hope you like have the permission to do that, to find simple mission with like within the context of the like first days of your marriage. That's good. And so if you are stepping into these first years of marriage, like, hey, on Instagram, it looks like everyone's starting five ministries at one time and everyone's yeah. doing this and everyone yeah. has their TikTok and like the Instagram and the podcast and everything's rolling. Like just give yourself permission to like be married. Like That's you good. are forming. That's good. And I just don't think that we ever like formed. Yeah. Which probably led I, to a lot of the story. We didn't form out of outside of trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Like we just, <laughs> we just didn't, I, yeah. I've never read this, but I've heard the, like, like they say in the old Testament that like yeah. people got married and they went away for a year. Yeah. Like I'm like trying we, to figure out how to fight to for that, for, that our for our kids. kids. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I wish we would have done that. And yeah. so there's that tip is just don't rush mission at the cost of your marriage. Yeah. And then the other thing I would just say is, is I think, a uh, mission and in, in marriage is a lot like surfing and you've got to wait for the wave. And sometimes you think you have the wave and you don't have the wave. And sometimes you see the wave and you don't ride it and you miss the wave of your life. But the beautiful thing about that is waves always come. And the come plan on. and purpose that God has for you is you're not going to miss it. Like he's so patient with us. He's so kind. He's always going to usher us into whatever he has for us. And so I would just say, don't feel like you have to rush into it at the cost of your marriage. If you're feeling like you and your spouse are just not on the same page yet. Like there's just such beauty that happens in the process of getting on the same page. And I'm even going to say this, and this might be me jumping off of cliff here, but the goal of your marriage is not necessarily the mission of whatever you do. The goal of your marriage is to become more like Jesus and he's going to use the mission to make that happen. Yeah. And so marriage and mission are the refining parts of life and they're the two sides of the same coin. And so just know that even though if you feel like you're not in your 
quote unquote mission or dream job yet, like God's still working in that so that you one day will step into whatever you have. So whether that's working on your spouse or working on the circumstances around the mission that you have in your heart, like he can do 10,000 things in one second Mm -hmm. of what would take us 10, 20, 30 years. And so he's always working, he's always doing, he's always moving. So just be patient. I know that's hard to hear, but just be patient. That's good. I think there's just such a, a beauty in marriage and and I'm speaking only from marriage perspective. I'm not saying that there's not a beauty in singleness. I'm just saying like from the context of mm-hmm. marriage and mission, mm-hmm. I just think there is such a beauty in the marriage that will only contribute to the health of your mission Yeah, and, and God's doing it. That's good. I would say this is like a big picture, but you're going to have to find your own practicals in this. But I would say fight for your intimacy more than you fight for your independence. And I think a lot of us, when we're talking about like, is mission going to kill my marriage? We're trying to figure out how we can like independently get our thing done. Yeah. And we could give you all kinds of tips. Honestly, let me say this clearly. We could give you all kinds of tips on how we handle our schedule with four kids, all this going on. We could give you all kinds of tips about like how we have hard conversations, but All of that is made possible because we fight for intimacy. And so I would say in your marriage, make the intimacy of your marriage, the connectedness of you two, the most important thing. Like fight for intimacy clearly in your sex life. Fight for intimacy in date nights. I feel Mm. like there's this kind of campaign going around now. Like we don't have to do date nights. Like we can just, sure, whatever, but like just try. Like try something. Get a friend and get on babysitting each other for date nights. That's what we did in the early years. I would email four girlfriends and say, we need date nights. I'll watch your kids the first week. You watch mine the second week. She's going to watch hers the third week. Like that kind of thing. Just fight for intimacy for us, we've often shared, like, we're not, like, sit together and read our Bible and pray people, but we do have to pray with each other. And mm-hmm. literally, just before we hit record on this podcast, I processed, like, something tender with you. Always talking. Which is so vulnerable and, like, kind of exhausting sometimes for both of us. Mm-hmm. It's always more exhausting to open up than it is to receive what somebody else has done mm-hmm. or wants to share with you. But you cannot be too soft with each other. Something shifted in you in the last two years where you became so soft with me. Like you became this crazy soft landing place on my weakest moments. Then that's God. It is God because, you know, our thing used to be like, if I would cry and if I was stressed or tired, you'd be like, something's wrong with our life. We have to change it. I was formed in an emotionalist vacuum. Yeah, yeah. But now (laughs) if I... (laughs) If I show emotion, you stop everything. And you're like, hold on. Yeah. Say more. Yeah. Say more about that. Yeah. What else? That is God, and it's been really helpful for me. But I hope and pray I've been able to do more of the same for you. Because Mm -hmm. even as I'm a very emotional person, I did not like you showing emotion for a long time. Yeah. But now I try to let you have a bad day. And I try to let you be discouraged. And I try to let you, like, share a lot of things about what you want to change or what you want to do. And, like, you just aren't ever going to regret that. You're never going to regret being super soft places to land for one another. Yeah. And then which helps with intimacy. Yeah. Which is like your first thing. Yeah. And I would just say the same with intimacy, like have boundaries around your intimacy. Like you just have to. And as simple as this is, like I do feel like you have led us really well in communicating to the people in our lives that we are each other's 
like first and best. Mm -hmm. And especially women seem to struggle with this because like we have sisters and best friends and you will just- You are are a girlfriend. I'm a friend friend girl. girl. Yes. But even with our kids. So I feel like you've been so good at setting boundaries and saying like, no, thank you. Like we're not going to share this or like, hey, I'd like you to keep this private or- like, hey, take over your life. Yeah, they will. <laughs> or you'll say, like, I noticed you told somebody else about this before you told me. Will you yeah. tell me first? Yeah. And that has served me really, really, really well. That's good. Your marriage is beautiful. Your God-given mission is beautiful. God did not give you either of them to be at war with one mm-hmm. another. And going back to what Nick said at the beginning, will mission make your marriage? I want to just end with this story, if it's okay. Unless you have something else to share. No, it is now. It's okay because you already put it out there. (laughs) I would say the turning point for us from storming to norming was our 10-year anniversary. And I'm not going to tell the other story that I tell all the time. Okay. But I do tell this other one great story about marriage. We'll save that for a marriage book one day. Oh, Lord. No, we won't. Carry on. But we were on our 10-year anniversary. Actually, you know what? It wasn't our 10-year anniversary. It was our 11-year anniversary. We were in Tulum, Mexico. But also, you should just preface because somebody's like, oh, God, I wish I could be in Tulum. That was, we literally, the year before that was the first time we ever got away for our marriage. Literally. Our 10, ten year, our ten year anniversary <laughs> was the first anniversary we, trip we ever took. Yeah. So we went to Tulum on our 11th year anniversary, and we were walking around the ancient Mayan ruins. Yes. We also went, what's it called? Cave diving? Yeah. What's the word? Cenotes. Cenotes. We went diving in these underwater caves that were terrifying. They were. It was your best Sorry. life now. It was the worst day of my life. I'm not a very adventurous person. But yes, I was are. noticing. Just in different ways. <laughs> I was noticing all these couples doing really adventurous things together. Mm. And I just had this core memory of us walking around the ruins. And I said to you, I'm so glad that the most adventurous thing we do together is mission. Mm. Like, we don't need to jump out of a plane together. Yeah. We don't need to go on extravagant vacations together. Yeah. The thrill of our life is mission. Yeah. And I still feel that way. That's great. You know? It's a good story. Like, the, it's not the best part of our marriage, because the best part of our marriage is God and us. Mm-hmm. But it is the thrill. It's the thrill. Let's keep going. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of today's Go and Tell Gals podcast. If you liked it, you can leave a review. You can also tell us on social media, send us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe. 